of the message, Yeshua's opinion on traditions. Okay? Turn with me now, and you may be wondering, well, isn't he borrowing something from uh, Nikki's Torah portion today? Matthew Yahoo chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15. Let you know the Lord is orchestrating everything. Amen? So let us begin. Verse 1. Then some of the Purushim, which are Pharisees, and the Torah teachers, the scribes, from Jerusalem came to Yeshua and asked him, Why is it that your Talmudim break the tradition of the elders? They don't, do not do the nitalat yadayim before they eat. He answered, Indeed, why do you break the command of God by your tradition? Remember, Nikki shared this portion of scripture earlier. Verse 4, for God said, honor the, your father and your mother. Anyone who curses his father and mother must be put to death. This is a reference to Shemot, Exodus 20, 12. Because Yeshua is not picking up a scroll of Matthew and proclaiming this to the people. Why? Because the scroll of Matthew had not been written yet. So when he's sharing the word of God, this is the context that he's sharing. And the people who are standing before him are Jewish people, and they know the word of God. So he quotes from Ezekiel chapter 20, verse 12. Honor your father and mother, so that you may live long in the land which Adonai your God is giving to you. Hear that? If we honor our parents. What if you have parents who are not believers, like my parents once were? Will you honor your heavenly father. And whatever he shows you to do to show them respect, you show out and you do honor before them. Because by the witness of your testimony, you can have the ability to have the opportunity to sow seeds in your mother and your father's heart that they will see the Messiah living out his life in yours. Continuing. Davarim, he also quoted, chapter 5, verse 16. Honor your father and mother as Adonai your God ordered you to do so, so that you will live long and have things go well with you in the land Adonai your God is giving you. You may be saying, why is it repetitive in the scripture? Because we need to be reminded time and time again. Continuing. Shemot, Exodus 21, 17. In Leviticus 29. And I'll leave that there for portions for you to look at another time. Because like I said, this is the second part of the first message. Verse 5. But I say to you, if anyone says to his father and mother, I have promised, I have promised you and gave to God what I might have used to help you. There was no social security in the land of Israel. What was the security for the parents and the grandparents? But the children. Just as the parents and the grandparents had raised the children, in so turn, it was then the responsibility, the mitzvah, for the children to arise when their grandparents and their parents needed the help. Many of us, as we've aged, we've seen our roles reversed, have we not? where you've had to make decisions for the very person that made decisions for your life in the past. 
That's simply a passing of the baton. Continuing in verse 6. Then he is rid of his duty to honor his father and or mother. Thus, your tradition make null and void the word of God. How many times have we allowed our own traditions in our own lives to nullify the call in fulfilling God's word in our lives? You hypocrites, Yeshiyahu, who is Isaiah, was right when he prophesied about you. Think about that. They are now going through the scroll in their mind of Yeshiyahu. He prophesied about us? Absolutely. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Be honest. Have you ever done it? I have. I've honored the Lord from time to time with my lips, and my heart has been far from him. What a confession. What does the scripture say? Know the truth and it shall what? Set you free. And who was sent to us to lead us into all truth? But the comforter. The Ruach HaKodesh. The Holy Spirit. Continuing. Verse 8. These people honor me with their lips but their hearts are far away from me. Their worship of me is useless. There were times when I came in the presence of the Lord and there was praise on my lips, but my heart was far from him. A mature believer in Messiah can stand before his brothers and sisters and say this, yes and amen, that has been me in the past. And I pray to God it shall not continue in the future. Continuing. Their worship of me is useless because they teach men man-made rules as if they were doctrines or truths or the word of God. Yeshiyahu, Isaiah 29, 13 through 14. Because these people approach me with empty words. Have you ever done that? I have. They honor me and they bestow me with lip service, while in fact they have distanced their hearts from me. Have you ever been in a backslidden condition? I have. My goodness, did you hear what that rabbi just said? He said the truth and he admitted to it. That's the freedom we have in Messiah. To live in truth and to be encouraged. At least as Rav Shaul said, if I don't take these issues serious in my life and just simply go and stand before the people as a hypocrite, least I be a castaway. Those are weighty words, my brothers and sisters. But you know what? I rejoice in that we have freedom in Messiah that we can admit at any time the truth. Let's continue. Well, in fact, they have distanced their hearts from me, and their fear of me is just a mitzvah of human origin. Therefore, I have to keep these people 
with astounding, amazing things until the wisdom of their wise ones vanishes and the discernment of their discerning ones is hidden away. What's that speaking of? False shepherds, false prophets who are blind guides leading other people into darkness. That's a powerful word. Whose lips did that word come from? Yeshua. Quoting to that current generation. It's amazing when you think in the scripture about what every nation needs. Every nation needs this. The believers in Messiah walking in true repentance before Abba, Father, God. Because that's when revival sweeps the land. And so this is a simple rebuke to the elders of Israel, the spiritual leaders. It is asking them and telling them, here I give you opportunity to come and repent. So that these veils that are over your eyes can be now removed. And now you can be fully seen in the spirit. So that you can truly lead the children of Israel down the path that leads to righteous living. Verse 10, then he called to the crowd to him and said, listen and understand this. What makes a person unclean is not what goes into his or her mouth. Rather, what comes out of the mouth is what makes him or her unclean. The Talmudim came up to him and said, don't you know the Pershim, the Pharisees, were offended by what you said? What are they saying here? Don't you know, present tense, you're only supposed to speak things politically correct? Is there anything new? Absolutely not. Because what they were doing right now, they were now being convicted, the Talmudim, by those who man had put in the place of leadership, spiritual leadership over Israel. And when you see the full ramifications of this, these men were more fear of men and their opinion of the mob than they were by their sovereign Lord who revealed the miraculous to them. Remember what's going on here. There is now a struggle for the hearts and the minds of the people of Israel between the blind guides of Jerusalem and the one true Son of God, the Mashiach, the Savior of the world. Continuing, verse 13. He replied, Every plant that my Father in heaven has not planted will be pulled up by its roots. And as I was reading this verse, I believe that Yeshua was gesturing to the Pharisees. Continuing, let, let them be. Let them alone. I've told them they've had an opportunity to go to search the scriptures to see whether or not it's true. So leave them alone. Let them be. They are blind guides. When a blind guides another blind man, both will fall into a pit. So he's saying to them now this. Okay, 
you want me to apologize to them. If they be your rabbi, follow them. Here's the choice you make. Continuing. Cephas said to him, explain the parable to us. So he said, don't you understand even now? Don't you see that anything that enters the mouth that goes into the stomach and it passes out into the latrine? But what comes out of the mouth is actually coming from the hearts. Nikki did a summary of that in our Torah teaching. Listen to the Torah teaching. Because what you have is you have your brother and sister, and what they're doing is they're spending time in the presence of the Lord, searching the scriptures, asking the spirit of the living God to reveal the truth to them so that when they come and do the reading, he gives them insights. Spiritual food. Because I say this to you. Yeshua did not quote from Matthew through Revelation, but he proclaimed the word of God from the Torah. There's a lot of meat there, my brothers and sisters. But there are men and women of God who are attending congregations who are starving. Because meat's set before them, but they must arise, take out their fork and their knife and divide the meat and actually place it in their mouths and consume it. So it's not simply hearing the word of God, but it's spending time meditating on it. And that's what Yeshua is asking the Talmudim to do. And all of those who are symbols, even the Pharisees and these scribes, he's proclaiming the word of God in power and authority that they've never seen before. And he's asking them to do this one thing. Think for yourselves. That would be a great exhortation for any man or woman who ever preaches the word of God. If they would say as you came in or as you're about to leave, now think on these things. Allow the spirit of the living God to lead you into all truth. Continuing. Verse 19. For out of the heart comes forth wicked thoughts, murder, adultery, and other kinds of sexual immorality, theft, lies, and slanders. These are what really make a person unclean. But eating without doing, nitzilat yadayim, does not make a person unclean. Quickly now to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 7, verse 1. The Purushim and some Torah teachers who had come from Jerusalem gathered together with Yeshua and saw that some of his Talmudim ate with ritually unclean hands, that is, without doing nitilat yadayim. Now, you may be saying, why are you repeating this? Because in instruction, the words are repeated. Matthew taught because he was speaking in the family context of other Jewish people. Mark, the Gospels marked, was written to the Greek-speaking peoples. And they didn't know about all the culture of the Jewish people. So he gives us even more details. Verse 3, For Purushim, and indeed all Judeans, holding fast to the tradition of the elders, do not eat unless they have given their hands a ceremonial washing. Not the simple of that, taking soap, bar soap, 
wetting your hands first, taking the bar of soap, rubbing them vigorously, and then rinsing off that soap. I'll get more into details of that ceremonial watching. Verse 4, also when they came from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they have rinsed their hands up to the wrist. And the hearers are now thinking, well, we don't do that in our culture. That's right. They adhere to many other traditions, such as the washing of cups, pots, and bronze vessels. Verse 5, the Persian and the Torah teachers asked him, why don't your Talmudim live in accordance with the tradition of the elders, but instead eat with ritually unclean hands? Who made that determination? They did. They just added another law upon all the other laws. Why? So that people would be continue to be into subjection to them. So that the Purushim, the Pharisees, could lord it over them. You know what's fascinating? In the Brit Hadishah, the New Testament, it says that the true shepherds of God, the rabbis and the teachers and the elders, they do not lord it over the people. But they are what? They are the servants. Continuing, verse 6, Yeshua answered them, Yeshiyahu, Isaiah was right, when he prophesied about you hypocrites, as it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is useless because they teach man-made rules as if they were doctrines. Yeshiyahu 29, 13, he also quoted, what is doctrine? It is simply this, means of a principle of trust or faith is being lived out. Verse 8, you depart from Abba, Father, God's command and hold un unto human ways. Indeed, he said to them, you have made a fine art of departing from Abba, Father, God's command in order to keep, underline this, your traditions. Continuing, verse 10, for Moshe said, you know what? Their ears perked up at this point. Honor your father and mother, Yeshua quotes, Shemot, Exodus 20, 12, and Davarim 5, 16. And anyone who curses his father or mother must be put to death. You know what they're saying? They're now moving forward and saying, that's right. We're in agreement with this. Yeshua quotes Shemot 21.17 of Vayikra Leviticus 29 that says, Having cursed his father or his mother, his blood is on him. I believe at this point, probably the Pharisees, out of impulse of their tradition, when, when, when Yeshua declared that the, this individual must be stoned, they probably reached down to the ground and started gathering stones. Why? Because out of tradition, they did things out of impulse. Not searching the word of God, but simply out of tradition. There are many congregations who have allowed traditions to enter in that nullify the word of God. Think back of where you came from and where you are now in your relationship with the Lord. How often have you had to allow those traditions to see that as an idol? Continuing, verse 11. But you say, if someone says to his father or mother, I promise as a korban. Okay, here's our Hebrew, 
cultural word here. That is, it is a gift to God, something you pledge, that you pledge to the Lord. I give this as a willing offering sacrifice to you, Adonai, and you alone. So now the child says this, what I might have used to help you, he says to the parents, then you no longer let him do anything for his father or mother. Why? What's binding that? The tradition of man. To show God's love and mercy and care. Because you know what? The parents and the grandparents knew this, that as it became older, they poured love and they nurtured and they raised up that child in the ways of the Lord. So what? So that for not only for their benefit, for future benefit, but the benefit of those yet to be born would walk in the legacy of love and compassion for families. Verse 13, thus your tradition which you handed down, you now nullify the word of Abba, Father God, and you do things like this. So you know what might have been happening at that point? There may have been some righteous Jewish people at there who were standing around the Pharisees started to gather stones. Why? Because they were leading them against the word of God and nullifying the word of God and not honoring their mothers and their fathers. And so in that instance there, the people started to think for themselves. How many of us have heroes in the ministry? Many of us. But you know what? That person is to lead us in the ways of God. But if that person becomes like an idol to us, and we start adopting their traditions and the doctrines of men, what are you saying here, Rabbi? The truth. Because what is Yeshua dealing with right now? He's dealing with spiritual leaders of the nation of Israel who are blinded to the truth because they've set up their own traditions of lordering it over God's chosen people. That's why Rav Shaul said this, you men of Berea, I encourage you in this, that when I or anyone speaks before you, you search the scriptures diligently to know whether what we say and proclaim to you is the word of God or not. And I say this to you, my brothers and sisters. You may say, well, in this end times, boy, that's going to be a fact. It's been that as a fact for every generation that's ever lived. And who is ultimately responsible? We are, because we have the spirit of the living God who leads us into all truth. Let Yeshua be the idol in your life. Let him be the hero. Be encouraged by brothers and sisters in Messiah who are encouraging you to walk down the path that leads to life. But do not let them take the place of Yeshua in your life. Continuing. Evil comes from the heart, verse 14. Then Yeshua called the people to him again and said, Listen to me, all of you, and understand this. For some translation it says, Those who have ears, let them hear. 
He's saying now, now here is an oracle word coming from the literal mouth of God. Not the rabbi who's standing behind, behind the microphone before you. I'm saying in the place of Yeshua, he's speaking directly to them. Because we know this, everyone who's come to know Yeshua for salvation, it's a one-on-one -on -one relationship. Who is your first love? If it is not Yeshua, yes and amen, then you have placed an idol in his place. And he's jealous over that relationship because only he is to have that in your life. And if you happen to have a partner where you're married, that individual should never take his place in the relationship. Because that individual could lead you astray. But if both parties are having the Lord first as their first love, they will encourage and exhort one another in their relationship with the lover of their souls. Continuing. Verse 15. There is nothing outside a person which is going to make going into him can make him unclean. Rather, it is the things that come out of a person which make a person unclean. Anyone who has here has ears can hear and let him now hear. When he had left the people and entered the house, his Talmudine asked him about the parable. He replied to them, so you too are without understanding. Don't you see that nothing came, nothing going into a person from the outside can make him unclean? For it does not go into his hearts. What does the scripture say? We're to guard our hearts. Who's that responsibility? That's mine. I can't blame it on anyone else, even my spouse. I'm to guard my heart. For it does not go into his heart, but into his stomach, and it passes out into the latrine. Verse 20. It's what comes out of a person, he went on, that makes him unclean. Action. Words. Either doing or not doing. For within and out of a person's heart come forth wicked thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, and adultery, greed, malice, deceit, indecency. Boy, Mark has even a longer list. Envy, slander, arrogance, foolishness, etc. All these wicked things come from within. And they make a person unclean. Mark 2, 4. The Perishim had interpreted the written Torah and their sages and rabbis decreed additional rules. Together these came to be called the first tradition of the elders and later the oral Torah. Matthew 5, 17. It was committed to writing Notably in the Mishnah in the second and third centuries. This is beyond the time of Yeshua. And expanded into the Gemara in the fourth and fifth centuries. So we add the Mishnah with the Gemara and the Talmud and later other works. So what I'm giving now is the definition of what present Judaism now believes. Mark's explanation of Nitilat Yadayim 
The ritual hand washing in these verses corresponds to the details set forth in the Mishnah. In the marketplace, one may touch ceremonially impure things. The impurity is removed by the rinsing up to the wrist. Orthodox Jews do this today. The need to lot yadim before meals. The rationale for this, and this is a thought behind it, for it is nothing to do with hygiene, but based on the idea that a person home is his temple. Sounds good, doesn't it? And most of our traditions, you know what? There could be a biblical basis to it. Continuing. With the dining table, his altar. The food, his sacrifice, and himself, the Kohen, the priests. For what does the scripture say? We are called what? To be both kings and priests. That's everyone, no matter what nation you come from. Since the Tanakh requires Kohanim, priests, to be ceremonially pure before offering sacrifices on the temple altar, the oral Torah requires the same before eating a meal. So that is the thought process for an Orthodox Jewish person as they daily do that ritual washing up to the wrist. Mark 5.13 Many believers think that Yeshua's answer to the question in verse 5 condemns all Pharisaic tradition. In fact, he objects only to those practices of the Persian that place human tradition above God's command. Because there were certain traditions they were doing that was godly and helped them live out and fulfill the word of God. He is not opposed to tradition as such, but to your tradition. And that's why we have to take every tradition we do from no matter what culture we come from and to see, is it pleasing to Abba, Father, God? No one can tell you yes or no, but one, the Ruach HaKodesh. That's why many times when I have had the opportunity of leading people to know Messiah, I let all the cultural issues allow the spirit of the living God to show them the truth in all these things. Because I tell you this, I cannot be with that person 24-7. Have you ever had that opportunity with people? You have recently led this person to the Lord, and they're constantly calling you and want to know what's right and what's wrong. You and I cannot be the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, in that person's life. Otherwise, we become what? We could become an idol to that person. They have to be able to think for themselves and to be introduced to the comforter that Yeshua promised to them. There are not first or second class believers in the kingdom of God. There's only first class. And each and every one of you who are assembled here today and those listening on the podcast in the future you are first class, and you need to hear the voice of the Spirit of the living God. And when he tells you to do something, do it. When he tells you not to do something, don't do it. Walk in the freedom that you've been given. And know this, he shall never leave you astray. Because he was given with the assignment to not only comfort you, but to give you all truth because he's preparing for you to be the bride of Messiah. So continuing on. 
He is not, he, Yeshua is not opposed to tradition as such, but to your tradition. The operative word is your, as shown in, by his example, where a tradition is allowed to nullify the fifth commandment, honor your father and mother. By letting the people devote temple worship money, which they should use to support their own parents. You know what? And sometimes it was just based on greed. Yeah, I, I, gotta, I have this money I was going to give you, Mom and Dad, but I'm sorry. The Lord spoke to my heart, and now I have to give it to him. So I, put it, I leave it in the bank account for years and years and years. I wait for my parents to pass. I withdraw that, and I use it for my own selfish needs. Continuing, on the contrary, Yeshua could not be opposing tradition as such because in the Brit Hadashah, the new covenant itself speaks of its own traditions. 1 Corinthians 11, 2. And that speaks in the portion there of Paul saying to these people who are being part of the Messianic community, he's encouraging them because what? The men of wearing a covering upon their heads. Okay, what's another tradition? Communion. That's universal, right? But f people really don't understand the context of that, and that is Pesach, Passover. Okay, Second Thessalonians two fifteen, and Yohanan seven thirty seven. We have an example of Yeshua honoring a tradition spoken of in the Mishnah before it was even written. Because when was the Mishnah written? Centuries after Yeshua was. And it was this, this tradition is nowhere found in the Tanakh. And what is that? The water libation ceremony. In fact, traditions are necessary in life. A state cannot be run by a constitution. And I'll back up there because some of you may say, well, the water libation, what was that? That was pouring out water during the feasts and offering to God the provision that he's given to us. Because in the nation of Israel, what did you get? You got certain rains at certain time of the year. Because through the summer, it became very, very dry. And so what they were doing, out of step of faith, they were pouring out their libation. And what was he proclaiming there? That he is the water of life. So he used that tradition that's not even written in the Tanakh to make a statement. Out of you shall what? Flow rivers of living water. Come and drink of me. And you shall never again be thirsty. He wasn't speaking of the natural here, but the supernatural. So here's a case where Yeshua dealt with a tradition and honored it and exposed himself to the people. Continuing, a state cannot run without, with a constitution, without legislation. Likewise, in the Jewish nation could not run without the written Torah alone, without an orderly application of it, in addition to it implied in the concept of traditions. All right? Like we have a tradition of celebrating what? Pesach every year. So we prepare that, Okay. And we go through certain traditions that are honoring to the Lord. And there are certain traditions of some people taking traditionally certain tasks so that we can work together in unity 
so we can accomplish and celebrate the feast of the Lord, both in-house as a body of believers, equal in Messiah, and also as an outreach to those of the nations to come and learn of the Lord's feasts. Continuing. But just as a country's legislation cannot contradict or supplant its constitution, so it is with tradition. All right? And it's amazing when you think about our constitution in America, what are they trying to do? Reinterpret what? The definition. And that's basically what the perishing were doing. They were trying to interpret and give a new definition by adding more laws upon the people. The Jewish Messianic Christian or whatever cannot violate or alter Abba Father God's word. Oral Torah comes very close to implying that it can. But according to the present passage, this position is inconsistent with Messianic Judaism. Mark 6 through 7, Yeshiahu Isaiah 23.3 is quoted from the Greek Septuagint version in the Jewish Bible. The portion corresponded to verse 9 reads, The fear of me is a mere commandment of men learned by rote and therefore producing only mechanical outward obedience, unaccompanied in inward faith or trust. And what is that stating? That basically a lot of Jewish people today who do not know Messiah are doing it out of rote and simple out of tradition. Because some of you may ask, well, what is the blindness over the Jewish people's eyes? It is simply tradition. It's the interpretation of the rabbis. And when is the veil removed from their eyes? When they begin to think for themselves and when they're able to remove those traditions from their eyes and see Yeshua as he is. There's many reports going throughout all Israel, both in Israel and around the world, world of Orthodox Jewish people seeking and praying that Abba, Father God, will reveal to them the Mashiach for who he is. And time and time again, their answer as they pursue him because he says, seek me with all your hearts and you shall find me. And he reveals himself to them as the promised Messiah. And you know what happens? They, just like Rav Shaul, it says between 10 to 20 years, he had to go into the wilderness after Yeshua revealed himself to him on the road to Damascus. And so it took 10 to 20 years for Rav Shaul to work through all out those traditions and to see the true word of God being fulfilled in his life. Korban, what does that mean? Literal sacrifice from the word is to draw near from the Hebrew word. Korban is something brought near to Abba, Father God. And it brings the offer near to God. Mark treats, the gospel Mark treats korban as a technical term. And that's the word that Yeshua was using there in Mark. As he named it, he named that tradition. So they'd focus upon it. First transliterating it into Greek and then explaining it as a gift to Abba, Father God. 
He knew everyone that was there could understand what was going on. Yeshua's objection is to bad priorities. Vows and oaths are not to be used selfishly to give pretext to avoiding or doing what Abba, Father, God's love and righteousness require. And so we now see Yeshua continuing this teaching. In verse 19, he declared, Now that all those foods that you now partake of are clean. Even the participants at the meal have not washed their hands, but Yeshua did not, as many suppose, abrogate the laws of Kasserut and thus declare ham is kosher. It's still an unclean food. Have you ever been around a pig farm? Do you see what they put in the pigs? I have. I was not in a backslidden condition, but I worked for a hog farmer one summer because I could not be employed anywhere else. Some of you are rushing in your mind here. Well, there's the prodigal son standing before us. (laughs) All right? But, you know, I was just amazed on what they were feeding in those pigs. And, you know, in the afternoon, when I was done working for that individual on a Sunday, they would have a lunch there. And what, you know what the prominent meat on there was? Yeah. But the mom was wise enough to ask me one time, do you eat ham, Frank? No. So she always had a, a couple uh, drumsticks of chicken there for me. You know what? But the Lord was able to honor that employment there. And I became friends with that family. That was their tradition and not mine. Continuing, and I'm ending on this. Since the beginning of the chapter, this subject has been ritually purity, was taught by the oral Torah in relation to the nitalat yadin, not kashrut at all. That is the kosher laws, for those of you who do not know what that word means. There is no, not the slightest nor hint that any that the foods that were in the, this verse can be anything other than what the Bible allows Jews to eat, all right? Because Yeshua ate kosher, all right? I'm not condemning those who do not eat kosher. Do I eat a kosher strict diet? I do not. But there's some things I abstain from, and the Lord's led me in that direction, all right? And so I say this to you. I do not lord this over to you and say you can never go out and enjoy a ham sandwich, Allow the spirit of living God to encourage you and to inform you what to place in your mouth. All right? Because we do not live by legalism, but we're people being led by the spirit of living God. Going on. Neither kashrut is abolished. In Acts 10, 9 through 28 and Galatians 2, 11 through 16. Rather, Yeshua is continuing his discussion here of a spiritual prioritizing what comes first, but the spiritual applications. He teaches that Torah purity is not primary ritual or physical, but spiritual. Yeshua fulfilled the Torah spiritually and in every aspect so we can walk therein. 
Yeshua has explained that the bodies of ordinary digestive process makes all foods clean, enough to be eaten. So hash wa hand washing is a minor importance, and the Purushim should not be giving it so much attention. You'll notice that when you join a very legalistic congregation. They'll inform you first of all the shall nots, right? And they'll look down their noses at you if you're not fulfilling them. We are a congregation in Seed of Abraham who are people being led by the Spirit. And let's allow the Spirit of living God to define what our culture is to be, both individually and corporately, and what our traditions are to be that we would not nullify the word of God, but we'd fulfill the word of God. Having what? Both our horizontal and our vertical relationship in the unity of faith being pure and holy. You know what that has to be? There are times when we have to allow our culture to be set aside and our traditions to be set aside, that the name of Yeshua will be lifted before all people. And you may say to me, boy, that sounds kind of legalistic, really. What did Rav Shaul say? I've learned to be all things to all people. Okay? So the rabbi that stands before you is proclaiming not what his doctrine is, but what has been placed and written down as a true doctrine of the word of God. And I ask and encourage everyone, search the scriptures for everything that is shared today, whether or not is true. Ending, therefore, the main teaching is that spiritual uncleanliness is in the heart. If Adonai dwells and his throne is in here, we are his. The will and the mind Yeshua was more concerned that people would produce righteousness. Shabbat Shalom.